Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Howdy, everybody. Arthur Staple here. Welcome back to the Garden Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic. I'll be joined by my producer, Chris Flannery, uh, in our second segment when we look back at the last few games, which were very successful ones for the Rangers. They're on a three-game winning streak as they're coming into tonight. I'm here in beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota uh, for Rangers Wild tonight. And uh, we'll kick it off with the only real lineup news. Alexander Georgiev getting the start tonight um, against a uh, a wild team that Got off great to a great start this season. They've been struggling. I think they've lost eight of their last ten coming into tonight. Um, you know, Gerard Gallant said this morning he felt like um, this was just the right time for Georgiev. You know, he hadn't played in a month. Uh, I think the quote that Gallant gave was, he deserves better than that. So, um, you know, I, I'm not entirely sold on that, given the way that Georgiev has, has performed. His numbers aren't great. Uh, you know, lost more games than he's won. Um under 900 save percentage. Obviously, it stands in hugely stark contrast to what Igor Shosturkin has, has been putting up, and we'll talk about that some more with Chris uh, in the second segment. Um, but uh, you do need to play Georgiev here, and I think uh, in our last segment, we'll we'll dig back into the trade deadline, which is now 13 days away and getting down to it, so maybe there'll be some movement by the time we record next week. The Rangers maybe will have gone out and, and made a move or two. Uh, and Georgiev kind of figures into that right now um you know he's been on a lot of the trade boards everywhere you know the request from his side seems to be quite clear that he wants to be elsewhere but the way he's played you know it's fair to ask what team has given up anything of value for this guy right now and and any team that's looking for goaltending you think of the oilers could use a goalie the leafs might need a a a guy who's at least a 1b option uh given how far their their goaltending and defense has fallen off um you know and those are really kind of the top of the list teams washington i guess is going to be a playoff team and could use a goalie that's a tougher sell to make that deal in the in the division where you might see them in the playoffs but those are at least three maybe boston could use uh you know a little bit more reliability there going into the playoffs um but that's really about it. And there are goalies available. Obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury is a guy whose name has been bandied about whether he wants to leave Chicago or not. Um, Semyon Varlamov from the island may be a guy who's in play. So there's options that are better than the way Georgiev is playing right now. So are you trading him for right now? Or is there a team that's looking down the road and says, this is a young guy who's only still only 25. Um, we can work with him. He's an RFA, uh, you know. You can kind of you have a little bit of cost control going forward. If you want to make him your number one, you really have to believe in in what he can do. 
because he's not doing it right now. Um, so there's a lot of factors that go in. So I would imagine in his mind, if his side with his agent saying, if you want to be traded by March 21st, you got to show that a team that you can, you can be someone who can help them in the short term and the long term. Tonight might be his last chance. You know, there's, there's, um, back-to-back coming up next weekend uh, in Tampa and Carolina, but that's it before the deadline. And that's really right before the deadline. So that's kind of hard to evaluate. But, um, but this is really, I think as far as like a standalone game, he's had lots of rest. Everybody knows what Igor Shosturkin has been doing. Um, so this is, this is probably Georgiev's last chance to really show what he's going what he can do, uh, whether he can help someone now, um, I still kind of lean towards no, and I think the Rangers, you know, with 13 days to go, you got to make sure that you have a deal in place to get rid of this guy and bring in an asset, and then you got to turn right around and spend an asset to get someone to back up Shesterkin, unless they go with Keith Kincaid, which is basically saying it's Shesterkin or bust. And understandably, you could think that way if you're the Rangers because it has been Shesterkin or bust this season. They just haven't been a good team when he's not in there, um, and it's our, you know. Arguably, he's the guy that improves the goalie that's improved the team's any team's fortunes when he's been in as as far better than anybody else in the league this year. So, um, you know, that's that's certainly a mindset. Maybe you don't have to go out and spend an asset. Maybe you just say, okay, he's our guy, and we got to go with it. And if Keith Kincaid plays a couple games after the deadline, back to backs, what I think there's four back to backs uh, over the final month of the season, then we just kind of roll with it because you know the Rangers are going to be in the playoffs. Um, and then in the playoffs, it's just Durkin or nothing. So, um, you know, there's two schools of thought there and maybe, um, you just, if you, I guess as you're kind of gaming this out, any of those other teams that might give up an asset for him right now, if they don't feel he's going to help them right now, you just wait till the Rangers fail to offer him. You already have a, a qualifying offer, which I think is something around 2.75 million, um, that they're required to give. If the Rangers walk away from that, um, and he's, free, he's an unrestricted free agent. He can sign for whatever he wants to sign for anywhere else. He'll know his true value then. Uh, and if you're a team that's in the market for a young goalie that you think you can can be your guy, you just wait. So uh, there's a lot of things at play here. There's probably a lot going through Georgiev's head. Uh, he needs a good performance tonight, and we'll have to see if he can bring it. Um, you know, it, I, it's a nice homecoming night. There's There's always a few Minnesota guys on every roster, and I think uh, three Minnesota natives are going to play tonight. Johnny Brzezinski, who just came up, uh, is going to get in there. It seems like uh, looked like at the morning skate, Morgan Barron and Libor Hayek were taking the extra work during the, the optional morning skate. So Brzezinski, you know, uh, been a decent fourth line center since Kevin Rooney went down. Seems like Rooney's absence is going to last a little bit longer. Um, and, I, I know, kind of a, a true fourth line situation. You're not going to see a lot of Brzezinski, Ryan Reeves, and probably – I guess Greg McKegg, if he's if he's in if he's here back from his illness, uh, or Dryden Hunt, or Julian Gauthier, any one of the interchangeable guys on that fourth line. Um, so we'll see what uh, you know. Brodzinski, nice little homecoming for him. Keandre Miller, who wrote about uh, this morning, really excited. A, a young guy who doesn't get very excited about much, doesn't betray too much uh, emotion about anything. But when he sat down uh, at the podium yesterday after practice, uh, he seemed very. Very excited about tonight. Um, you know, he's grew up about 25 minutes away from here. Um, 
you know, story. My predecessor, Rick Carpinello, wrote a story that uh, was linked in my story today that everyone should go back and read from from draft night in Dallas four years ago when uh, when the Rangers picked him. He's uh, he's a he was a high quality young man then and a, and a guy who had some raw skills. And now I think everybody's seen what he can bring and starting to see a little bit more of what he can bring the last couple of months where he's he's really smoothed out some edges uh, in his game and, and become a lot more reliable in his own end and, and getting up the ice. Um, and still, a, a you know, a high quality young man. And uh, I think talking, hearing him talk about uh, one of his favorite memories that happened in this XL Energy Center rink was one that he wasn't even there for when his old high school team, after he had gone off to play at the national program in Michigan, his old high school team won the state championship. And, you know, this is the state of hockey and the state championships, which are mostly played at the XL Center, are, are almost as popular as, as wild games, maybe more so. Um, you know, him talking about his his friends winning a state championship without him is one of his fondest memories. It uh, tells you tells you a lot about what kind of special young guy he is. And, and of course, Ryan Lindgren um, coming back. I think it's his second time playing here and still special. It's not like he's an old man, only 24. And, um, you know, he, he had a lot of memories. Uh, he also didn't really get to play in this building. His brothers did uh, as high school players. He was at Shattuck St. Mary's prep school, not far from here, but not in the same, uh, not in any league that plays, uh, plays their hockey here. So, um, It'll be a special night for those guys, lots of families, and just having missed it last year, I think, uh, I think makes it more more important. And and I think it's a you know it, it's kind of a a big night maybe for for Lindgren in a different way. Him and Adam Fox, the underlying numbers are still good; they're still playing tons of minutes. But it seems that they've been going through a little bit of a lull. It's it's much more eye test than than underlying data. They're still they're still up there in the you know not not high high numbers in terms of the metrics. Um, I think they've kind of, you know, the, the improved play of Miller and Jacob Truba, improved play really of Miller, I think has brought that second pair up to more even in terms of expected goals and shot share and goal share. Um, but I think in usage a little bit, you've seen Gerard Gallant maybe turn to, to Miller and Truba a little bit more in, in, in high pressure defending situations, trying to take some heat off of Lindgren and Fox. And, uh, you know, Fox is still producing, um, still, I think tied for third in the league in assists, um, still running that that top power play unit with efficiency. But I think, um, you know, I, I think we've seen a little bit of a lull and it happens to everybody, even coming out of the break, uh, which hopefully would have given them a little bit, a little bit of a rest, but uh, they played a lot of minutes They played a lot of minutes together, a lot of heavy minutes against some difficult first and second lines of opposing teams. And it does start to wear on you, even somebody as good as Adam Fox, somebody as, as steady and reliable as Ryan Lindgren. So, um, I think that really highlights for me how important that Miller Truba pairing has been. That uh, Gallant has called them interchangeable; those top two pairs, and man, that is a luxury that a lot of teams do not have. Um, and even when the you know the the underlying metrics haven't been great, they've still given up a lot of high danger chances. I think overall in the last month, probably since they came back from the break, you've only seen one or two games where they've really given up a ton of, of quality chances, like they did night after night in the, maybe the first 10, 15 games of the season. Um, overall, I think their defending has been better. Brayton Schneider has a little bit to do with that too, kind of making the third the third pair not as much of a black hole. So, um, you know, it, it's it's not great to see Lindgren and Fox take a little bit of a step back, but I think in context with now having Miller and Truba taking a step forward and Brayton Schneider solidifying the bottom pair, um, 
it's acceptable. And, uh, and maybe that allows Gallant to have a little more trust in the other pairs and you don't have to worry about trying to match uh, D pairs against, a, against forward lines uh, quite as strictly as you might in other situations. So, um, yeah, something to, something to keep an eye on, but also keep an eye on uh, the stands to see some families that are going to be pretty happy to see their boys come home tonight. All right, now we'll take a look back at uh, the last three games, all wins. We'll bring in uh, producer extraordinaire, Ranger fan extraordinaire, Chris Flannery. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good to have you back. Uh, so three straight wins, beat the Blues in uh, what was kind of a, a weird game back at the Garden last week. Uh, win over the Devils. That was you know fun, kind of comprehensive. A little bit of a little bit too much of a of an echo of the beginning of the season with giving up a lot of chances and kind of being out outskated by uh by an opponent even one that's much further down the standings and then a game in winnipeg where you know i think we saw some of the brilliance of igor shesterkin again which we seem to see every night but but it didn't feel like a 45 shot game the the jets were throwing a lot of pucks from the perimeter um which is you know that's those are those that's an easy night for shesterkin that's not a night that's going to make him tired or anything so yeah. Uh, is was there anything that kind of ran through those three games other than wins, which is the name of the game that for you that that kind of stood out as something that was a bit of a theme all the way through? Well, yeah, I mean, of course, Shesterkin is at the top of the list always, and I, I liked what you tweeted actually about the uh, during the Jets game that making forty four saves, but not I forget exactly how, the way you worded it, but like Shesterkin made forty four saves, but he didn't really win the game for them, and that that might be uh, you know one of the few times a goalie can stop you know almost forty. 45 shots and, and, uh, you know, win a game. So obviously he's remained at the, the incredibly high level and actually has improved his numbers over the last few games, which is pretty wild. Um, the thing that kind of sticks out to me throughout these three games is that Alexi Lafreniere really does look like he's figuring it out on that top line. He's got five points in his last six games. He doesn't look like he's behind the play. I think defensively he's looking strong and it seems like he's driving the play now on that line versus just being a passenger with uh Zibanejad and Kreider so that to me if there's something that has looked good through those three games I mean there's a bunch of things that have looked good but uh something that really stands out through those three games that's that's going to be important as you go down the stretch here is Alexi Lafreniere it definitely looks like he's uh finding his way now after you know a bit I guess a bit of a slow start but it, you know he's a 20 year old kid uh so he's starting to really look look nice on that top line, which is great. Yeah, that's, I think that's hugely important. Just, uh, you know, when you're thinking about the trade deadline, like I said, we'll talk about that in the last segment and uh, everyone's been going to be talking about it until they make a move. You don't, maybe if you're Chris Drury, you don't feel quite as, as compelled to make a move uh, for a top six guy or a top line guy, somebody that fits well with Zibanejad and Kreider because you have him and, you know, you'd wish that you had Capocacco right now too to, to solidify that second line and say, okay, now we know we just need third and fourth line guys, which will cost a lot less. You can retain your assets. You can think about something bigger in the summer. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of calculations that go into it, but it, but La, Lafreniere playing up to his expectations or closer to them and playing top line minutes and becoming more comfortable on the right side uh, takes one of those concerns away. And that's, that's what you want this time of year when you're a successful team. You don't want to have to feel like you can solve your problems by giving up by trading your first round pick and trading maybe, you know, one of your best prospects just so you can fill and fill a need. You want to, especially on a team that's so young, you want to be able to see those young guys step in and fill the spots. And it was especially nice, uh, I think for him to have such a good game with Pavel Buchnevich back in the, 
back in the garden with the Blues last week. And I want to ask you, as a fan, you were watching that game on TV, so maybe it wasn't quite as apparent, but uh, but sitting there in the press box and seeing what amounted to about a 15-second welcome mm-hmm. back video for, for a guy who, in Buchnevich, who the team was not great when he was here. It was five years here. Um, but just, you know, a, a real fan favorite, a popular guy, because, it, you know, he always seemed like he had a smile on his face. He had a, you know, he was a real expressive, emotional player. Teammates loved him. It wasn't like he asked out. It wasn't like he said he demanded, you know, an eight times eight contract. And that's why they have to trade him. They they made the proactive decision to trade him because they couldn't afford him in conjunction with some other guys. And, um, you know, talking to some people that I know around the league and some people that are connected to the Blues, he was pissed. And uh, and I think some of the players were a little bit confused about that. As a fan, when you hear or see about something like that, how does it sit with you? You know, I, it's I, I definitely understand why he would be annoyed at that, and that's interesting that you know you have that information that that he he didn't like, uh, you know, that he was he didn't enjoy not getting the kind of respect that maybe he thought he deserved coming back. I definitely think they could have done a little more for him. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, he was absolutely a fan favorite, a team favorite. Um, you, you know, nobody. It seemed like nobody in the on the roster was, was happy when he got traded and, and obviously guys were somewhat outspoken that they, they weren't happy when he left. I, I gotta say though, I'm a little, I can be a little uh, cutthroat sometimes and it's like, you know, he's not here anymore. And I, I think, you know, like you said, you know, they, they weren't a super successful team while he was here. I think he grew over time. And, and of course, if you could slot a Pavel Buchnevich into the Rangers top six right now, they'd look like a much different team. I think on the other side of it, I think part of the, issue is that the guy that they got in return, Sammy Blay, is exactly what they need on a third and fourth line right now. But of course he's injured, so he's not playing. So it kind of makes it look a lot worse in his absence uh, when, you know, that they got rid of him. But to me, you know, is it different than when a Matt Zuccarello comes back? Is it different when, uh, you know, a Ryan Callahan or a Ryan McDonough comes back with guys that really went deep into the playoffs and really had a mark on the franchise versus somebody who absolutely was a likable player and would be a very useful player for the Rangers. But to me, you know, they, they acknowledged it. Um, it's, I feel bad that he felt bad that it wasn't uh, more of a thing, but the reality is, you know, how, how much of an impact long-term did Pavel Buchnevich make on the Rangers franchise? You know, it's not an indelible mark. Of course we miss him. It'd be nice to, to have him, but to me, it's not, uh, it's not the end of the world, but it, you know, it's too bad that he feels maybe slighted by that, but you know, it doesn't bother me that much. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, kind of from the inside perspective, when you hear from people about this, I, I agree with you. I feel like kind of the proliferation of welcome back videos, it's become sort of like an assumed thing. And we did have a, a much longer, more demonstrable one when Mark Stahl came back. It was kind of, had, you know, Detroit was in a couple of weeks ago and you'd kind of forgotten like, oh, right, he still hasn't played a game here because right. they, they weren't, you know, it was last season and, and not everybody played each other. So that one was, you know, and this is a guy who's, you know, top 10 all time in games played in the in the franchise and, um, you know, was a mainstay for such a long time. And I understand if you want to make that one a little more special uh, than Buchnevich. But these guys have agents and agents have other clients. And if somebody's unhappy because the Rangers did this, then all of a sudden maybe the agent says like, eh, you know what? I don't know if I want to steer my, you know, it, it just, it starts a little, a tiny little domino effect or it plants a seed in someone's mind. And it's just like, why do it? Like, don't, don't ever allow yourself to be seen as, as petty or dismissive of anybody. 
Um, yeah. I mean, do you, per- do you, do you perceive it as that though? I mean, like, you know, do you see I, it as like the Rangers were being petty or they were like, well, we'll just do it. I think it was, I think it was, uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe thoughtless is the word I would use to describe yeah, it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe without, without really considering how it might sit with people, you know, the players all talk to each other. Um, it just, you just, you don't want to do it. You don't want to, you don't want to even open the door, even if you roll your eyes a little bit and say like, okay, well, it was 15 seconds instead of 20 seconds. Like, give me right. a break. I get that. I totally get that. But also, these are the guys, you know, you need the players to make the team go. Yeah. And even if it's not him, it might be somebody else that he knows and who says like, you know what, Rangers screwed my guy. I'm going to say no to them. You just, you don't even want it in to, to, to bring that into existence even on the 1% chance that it might affect anything. So yeah, for sure. I kind of feel like just, just make it a nice video. Everyone cheers for him. And then you can go back to trying to frustrate him and, and make him go home unhappy. So yeah, exactly. It's a simple, it's a simple thing. It's weird, but it, but it is kind of a simple thing. So, um, and yeah, I, the only other question I had for you is something that, that I've been working on. And I asked, uh, Gallant yesterday and asked Mika Zibanejad yesterday, do you think Igor Shesterkin is the Hart Trophy front runner? I mean, there's, it's, a, it's, it's the great debate. I'm a Hart Trophy voter. I don't know if, how much I want to betray my own considerations right now. I'm talking, mm-hmm. trying to talk to as many people as I can. It's kind of a philosophical divide. There's only been three goalies kind of in the modern era who have won the Hart Trophy. Dominic Hasek did it twice in the 90s, back to back. Jose Theodore did it in 0102. Carey Price did it in fourteen fifteen. None of them have the numbers that he's got right now, and that could obviously change before the end of the season. But yeah, um, and it, uh, you may feel biased because this is the team you watch all the time. But um, does he deserve it? Does a goalie deserve it? Because the goalies have their own award. Those are those are always the conversations we have. I want to know what you think. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. Yeah, I like you said. Carey Price was the last one to do it. I think his number. I think he had a goals against average of one nine six and like a nine thirty nine or nine forty save percentage. Igor's at nine forty three save percentage and a you know one one nine seven or something goals against average. So, you know, if you if you go strictly on that metric, like you know whether he deserves it or not, but the, well, the last goalie that did it, he's got he has better numbers than than that guy. So I think just from that perspective, numbers wise, of course he could he could actually win it. Philosophically, I don't. I actually really don't even understand the argument as to why goalies wouldn't be able to win the Hart Trophy, um, even though they like the Vezina is its own thing, of course. Um, the Nars Trophy is its own thing, but we and of course it's rare for a defenseman to win the Hart as well. But very yeah. th- that that should be possible uh, too if if a, if a defenseman's carrying a team. And clearly, when you look around the league, there is nobody that's more important to their team than Igor Shosturkin, and you can make that case about a lot of goalies, I'm sure. But then when you put his numbers into like historic context, he's having like an all time season. It's, it's kind of wild what he's doing. And like I said, as good as he was playing last week, he actually played better, you know, over these past three games and improved his numbers. So to me, I wouldn't be surprised if he won the heart. It wouldn't bother me one bit. Um, but I mean, I, 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 I don't really even understand the argument as to why he wouldn't be able to, to win it. Um, and like you said, you know, there's only been a few goalies to do it, but if you look back at some of those devil's teams that were great back in the day, just to, you know, show I'm not necessarily a homer. It's like Martin Brodeur could have, could have won a heart trophy at some point during the, you know, those runs. And, um, it would have been hard to argue against that. So yeah, to me, he could, I mean, to me, it seems like he's in definitely in the top three, right? He should be a nominee, I think 
for the heart. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he won it. it does seem like the Vezina is probably locked up at this point if these numbers continue throughout the rest of the season. But um, yeah, no, I, I don't have a problem with goalies winning it. And I, I guess I'd actually like to see it happen more if, if people are putting on, um, you know, these types of performances. Lundqvist got heart votes, you know, at, at times when he was uh, not, a, at not as many speech. as you think, by the way. No, la- yeah, and- absolutely. But right. But the argument should be that he probably could have gotten more. So, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm fine with it. And to me, it seems like, I, I mean, I would vote for him. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be an interesting decision once the, once the season's over to look at look at the numbers because it's really you're really comparing apples and oranges when you're comparing the best goalie to the best skater. Um, it really does come down to how valuable the artist to the team, and I think some of the arguments that are made over the years, and I've made these to myself when I'm compiling votes, is you could pick the best goalie every year. Like the Vezina, the Vezina winner could be a finalist because the goalies are the the most important factor in winning and losing, you know, it, there's yeah. other factors obviously, but, but the goalie is really the, the deciding factor. And if you have a bad goalie or a goalie is not consistent, you see what happens. You're just not a winning team. Um, right. Well, look, look at but it this I, way, let, but, but let, let, let's look at it this way. Let's say you put Igor Shesterkin on the Oilers right now. Con- Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, they're obviously going to be in the running for the heart every year, but they'd, they'd be president's trophy winners if he was on Edmonton. Well, absolutely. But I'm saying he would be, you, you, he's, you the say he's the reason, right? He's, he's the, reason the reason that they're winning. Yes, so you know, that, that's kind of the argument. Yeah. So, so there is that argument and, and sometimes it can be, you know, uh, it, to me, just in general, it has to be a record breaking year for me to consider a goalie to win the, win the heart trophy because a guy who's got, who leads the league with like a nine twenty save percentage, which is kind of like the standard roughly the last 10 or 15 years, like somewhat nine twenties kind of the cutoff for like elite and fine. Yeah. Um, lots of goalies go over that. So you then you're just sort of like, well, I could have five goalies be my five MVP votes. Right. One, th- one through five. Um, so it ha- to me, it has to be special and it has to be a situation where if you take this guy out and put in the, you know, the median goalie or even a slightly above average goalie in terms of the stats for the season. If you took it, Igor Shesterkin out 942, 943 save percentage and put in a 920 goalie. The Rangers might not even be in the playoff race. Right, right they're now. in eighth or ninth. So I think right. that's the deciding factor for me. Like this guy is so far above even what's considered good in a regular year. You can't ignore him. No, I I completely agree, and he's making it look easy. Like we we've watched Henrik Lundqvist for fifteen years stand on his head and and drag this team into the playoffs and bring them to the finals and do all this stuff. And his numbers didn't even approach what, what Igor is doing. And he's making it look real easy. You know, it doesn't even look some night, like you said, he made 44 saves against the Canucks and it didn't, or, or again, yeah, against uh, Winnipeg. And it didn't even look, didn't even look hard. So, you know, that's the thing. It, it really, he's having a, a spectacular special season and, 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 you know, to be rewarded with the heart at the end of the season is probably the right thing. If he's able to keep this up. All right, and now team on is 13 days until the trade deadline. Uh, let's talk some trade rumors. Um, yeah, let's do it. Uh, you know, the last I heard, which was the end of last week, um, our lightest what, what we're hearing uh, segment, you know, I talked to a few people around the league. Some said the Rangers are still hot on the trail of JT Miller, and it seems like kind of a stalemate there because Vancouver, uh, I don't think at this point, is interested in – a package centering around Nils Lundqvist. They they want Braden Schneider. The Rangers are not giving up Braden Schneider unless 
uh, something crazy has happened or, or Chris Drury has, you know, hit his head and, and woke up and forgot he was GM and forgot all the evaluations. Um, Braden Schneider's a ranger. He's going to stay a ranger. I, I really get the sense that they're not taking anybody off the current roster to make a move unless it's someone that they just need to fill in in a trade, someone who would be coming out of the lineup anyway based on an addition. So um, if that's the stalemate, if Vancouver decides they'd rather trade Brock Besser, um, then I think, you know, there's really nothing there. And, and I, I, you know, what we talked about a little bit earlier of you've got Alexi Lafreniere who's showing good signs on the top line. You're hopeful to get Capo Caco back in the next two to three weeks. Um, he could fit, fit in on the second line. Do you need a top six guy? Do you need to spend your main asset, which is your first round pick, your main prospect that you're willing to give up in Nils Lundqvist to get JT Miller? I don't know. I don't know if they need that right now. So, so there is that. Um, and some of the other people that I talked to, you know, felt like uh, Ricard Raquel was the main focus of their interest. Uh, Ducks right winger, right wing, obviously very important because the Rangers really don't have any. Um, has a history with Mika Zibanejad. They're the same draft class, played together as in youth hockey uh, internationally for Sweden. Um, but again, Alexi Lafreniere has been good there. Do you bring in Ricard Mikel and, and move Alexi Lafreniere somewhere else? Um, lots of lots of things that have to be decided. Uh, and also, what's the cost for Raquel? You know, I think a lot of fans feel like um, that guy that he's you know he's a he's a pure rental. He's a pending UFA. Maybe you could get him for a second rounder plus. Um, my sense is a first rounder is really the asking price right now uh, as the Ducks are kind of falling out of the playoff race and starting to gauge some interest in their pending UFAs. They also have Josh Manson and Hampus Lindholm, a couple of defensemen that will definitely interest some people. I don't know that the Rangers really are that interested in either of those guys. Um, and maybe that will help them. You know, maybe the Ducks get what they need uh, in trading one or both of those guys and then say, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to hold anybody over a barrel to trade Raquel too. Cause we're just, we're, we're, selling off and and uh we'll take what we can get so you know i think that one's gonna go closer to the deadline um another name that i've heard connected the rangers is andrew cop out of winnipeg uh they were just in winnipeg um jacob Truba and andrew cop uh played have played hockey together uh other than <laughs> jacob true since jacob true was traded to the rangers they had played together i think every year since they were 12 years old uh wow Cop is uh, also from Michigan, played together as youth hockey players, both went to the University of Michigan, both drafted by the Jets, both played in Winnipeg. Um, so that's a connection that you put in the back of your mind that not only would you be getting a guy who really improves your top nine, he's a guy who's got some scoring skill, who's got plays with a real big edge, um, can play a couple different positions. You know, seems like the kind of guy that if you can't, re you're trying to recreate that third line from the Lightning the last couple of years with Barkley Goodrow. Uh, you're not going to get Yanni Gord. You're not going to get Blake Coleman, but you could get a guy who would fit in Andrew Kopp. And I think that would start to slot that bottom six a lot better than it's been slotted the last, really the whole season since Blake went out. Um, going to cost a lot. Um, he is a pending unrestricted free agent. You'd probably give up enough where you'd want to sign him. Can you afford to sign him? Those are all the considerations to go into all this stuff. And then, uh, you know, beyond that, um, I don't know that they're looking this, you know, they've been attached to Ben Sherratt in Montreal. And, and one thing that I haven't really written about yet that that's intrigued me, and it was really just kind of a, huh, I wonder about this. The Rangers uh, have tons of cap space to go this season to, to add contracts. They have very little cap space beyond this season where you've got to make some tough decisions. 
would they try to trade for uh, basically a, a dead cap hit? Um, there's not that many out there. You know, the Dallas has Ben Bishop, who's essentially retired but has another year left. The really the biggest one that's out there right now that's that could very well be a trade chip is Shea Weber. He's got four more years, I believe, at seven point five, um, a pretty big number that the Rangers, if they were to go into LTIR and go over the cap next year, could Shea Weber's retired essentially, but his cap hit lives on. Um, the Canadians have needed it because they're way over the cap and they need to start making a lot of moves to shed salary. So the Rangers and the Canadians have had conversations. Um, you know, Jeff Gordon is there. Jeff Gordon oversaw the Rangers rebuilds. Uh, a lot of these prospects were his, his team's picks, uh, you know, his front office picks. I'm sure he likes a lot of them. Uh, would the Rangers be willing to give up, uh, Maybe a Nils Lundqvist, maybe a Matthew Robertson, maybe Vitaly Kravtsov, maybe two of those three guys, which is a lot, I know. But you get back, let's say, Arturi Lekkanen. Maybe you get back Ben Sherratt, who you're renting for the year on defense. Lekkanen's an RFA. He can the guy fit into your top nine anywhere. Similar to Cop, but a little bit less physical. Um, and then you get Shea Weber's cap hit for the next four years that you can throw on LTIR. The actual cash, I think, is only like $6 bucks, so it's not costing them a lot salary-wise. Uh, and then you have a lot more cap flexibility going forward. It's it's something to put in the back of your mind. Um, and if you see anything like that out there being talked about, or if it happens, you can say like, "What are the Rangers doing? Giving up some real assets for for this and Shea Weber's cap hit?" Think about the future. That's it's the juggling act that all GMs have to have to do. You can't just go for it now and not worry about what's coming tomorrow, especially a first year GM like Chris Drury. So. Um, of all of those options, Chris, and then we haven't even talked about depth defensemen. You know, I think I've mentioned on the show and in writing Andy Green from the Islanders. I, you know, fans get upset because he's an Islander and he's almost 40 years old. But you have to think about it in this context of you're looking to spend assets to fix your forward group because it's not complete. On D, they're about five sixths complete there. Really, yeah. the only spot that you that you're worried about is that is that Patrick Nemeth spot on the on the third pair on the left side. So you get a lefty who doesn't have to play every game, but could. Andy Green is a consistent player. He's not great anymore. He doesn't do anything exceptionally well, but he's a solid guy. He's as solid a person as you could get, and it's a very young group. Um, you know, he's an example because he's local, and I covered him for the last couple of years, and I know for a fact he doesn't. he's not the kind of guy who's going to want to go anywhere to chase a cup. He wants to stay local. His family's local. It's just something that's cheap and would make sense. There's, that's the kind of way I think they're thinking about their defense. So of all of those random, weird possibilities, Chris, what's the one that intrigues you the most, considering cost and future and all the other shit that we've been talking about? Yeah, I mean, to me, um, well, can I let me just say on the JT Miller point, I mean, it does seem like Vancouver, like why, if you're Vancouver, why would you trade JT Miller? They, they think they're 28 and four or something since Bruce Boudreaux came over. Uh, JT Miller just gets better and better every game. It looks like he's a real leader on that team. So to me, it seems like that's going to cost an absolute arm and a leg if he's even available. So obviously you take JT Miller if you could, if you could get him for a, a, a somewhat reasonable price, but that sort of seems like it's you out will, of the, you will not get him for a reason. No, of price. course. Absolutely. It seems like it's sort of out of the, uh, out of the question right now to me, out of, out of the names you listed. I mean, Andrew Kopp definitely makes sense. I mean, he, he's so big. Like you said, he has the familiarity with, uh, with Truba and really you have to figure that 
Capocacco is going to play a factor when he comes in. We've talked about it a bunch. It can shift guys back down the lineup. You could put a Dryden Hunt in a fourth line role, a third line role. Kevin Rooney's not out for the season. He'll be back. Um, so then it really, you know, if you throw an Andrew Cop in that mix, I think it it uh, gives Barclay Goudreau an, an extra person to play with, um, you know, or, or changes kind of the dynamic of who he'd be playing with on, on one of those lines. And then you can really try to roll four lines. I, I think we haven't seen the Rangers are still winning. Yes, just Sturkin stealing some games for them. The power plays buoying them a lot of times when they're not playing great five on five. But the real factor is that they're not able to roll those four lines. And so I think if you add a guy, um, you know, if JT Miller's out of the mix, if you add an Andrew Cop and you get a Kako back, um, I think you'd be able to roll four lines. And that's really what you have to do. Uh, in the playoffs to win and, and down the stretch here. So to me, that that's the name that kind of stands out. Obviously, Ricard Raquel is a, a guy that can score, and if he has um, a comfort level with Zibanejad, maybe that um, you know would, would ease his transition coming from the West Coast to play on the uh, the East Coast. But like you said, then that then that presents another problem. What do you do with Lafreniere? Do you move him on the Strom Panarin? You know it, that creates its own issues. To me, the most seamless thing that they could do that would actually impact all four lines is, is adding a guy like an Andrew cop or a Lekkonen or, you know, whatever. But I think Andrew cop out of the names you mentioned is the one that, that interests me the most. Yeah. And I didn't even mention they've, the Rangers have talked with Seattle and very preliminarily, they have a bunch of guys that are kind of those middle six pure rentals. Callie yarn who I think has got yeah. some interest from Washington, Marcus Johansson, who's been around the block a lot. It's been a decent playoff performer the last couple of years. Not as not as gritty and physical maybe as the Rangers would like, but but as a guy who can produce and certainly better than replacement level, you know, better than Julian Gauthier, I think is the standard we're looking at here. Yeah, you're your favorite Ranger, yeah. Yeah. Um and uh and then Mark Giordano on D, if you're really looking to make a make a splash on D, that's that's gonna be costly, and I think there's gonna be a lot of other people in on that. Um so there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to pack in in these 13 days. I feel like we've been talking about the the trade deadline for a few weeks now, which is which is always fun to do, and it really does affect everything that's going on before we get to it. But uh, but the Rangers are going to be busy, you know. I I really do believe that they've they've got the opportunity. They've got the best goalie in the league. Um, you don't you don't want to let these situations pass by saying I'd rather be cautious and sit and wait. Um, I know there's some some people, some fans, definitely that feel like why. Why spend assets for this? But but these opportunities do not come along. Even though the rebuild is still technically in effect, they're still very you know the second youngest team in the league. When you've got a guy on a heater like Shesterkin is on, I, I don't I feel it. And the opportunity with so much cap space, I don't know how you could possibly let it go to waste. And waste waste is maybe a strong word. They could still win a couple rounds with this team. But there's it you know is this team good enough to beat the Hurricanes in a seven game series? I don't think so. Do you? No, not as currently constituted. You got to You got to add the. You got to add some pieces. But that's the thing. I think if you add, again, we've talked about it a bunch of times. You add two or three pieces or two pieces, and you're able to roll four lines and really give your top six a chance to get out there in, in favorable matchups, and you know have their have the other team's defense been worn down a bit and, and have them trapped in their zone. Yeah, I think this team can play with anybody in the East. I think the problem comes when you start talking about the 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 Avalanche and and teams like that. Although again, goaltending can be an issue for them. You know, that, that's the thing. Like I, I know as a Rangers fan, of course, I've seen it. We've seen it before. They trade assets. It's like a great idea. Let's go get this guy. Let's get that guy. And it, it doesn't pan out. And it might not this year, but that you have to look at this team. You have to see the pieces they have at the age they're at and all that and understand that this really is a different 
scenario. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm for them making uh, the moves that they think they have to make to try to make a run here, because the reality is Shesterkin can win you around on his own. Um, you know, if you add these pieces, you roll their lines and, and, you know, maybe you can outscore some teams as well. So it's, uh, it's definitely exciting. It'll be really interesting to see what they do. And I was going to ask you, do you think that they're as Chris Drury, it's his first year, obviously the mandate was to get them into the playoffs. Like, you know, the rebuild is over kind of thing. How much pressure do you think that he's feeling? Or do you think he's just the type of guy that he just can look at it clear sighted and, and understand what they need to do? And he'll make the moves he wants regardless of you know, being a first year GM and, you know, whatever pressure from the owner, et cetera. I think there's definitely pressure. You know, the, the owner is a demanding guy. Um, he, he can find out the, you know, the, the trade board lists and see his team's name attached to pretty much every big name guy that's out there, especially forwards. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think owners and GMs have those conversations a lot where if you're willing to fill all that cap space, um, and you want to win, that's that's pressure on the GM. You know, it's uh, I don't think he's under the same kind of uh, tight deadline that that Jeff Gordon apparently and John Davidson were under at the end of last year. Maybe they, they didn't know that they were under. Right. But um, but yeah, you know, if this is if this is a, a blip on the radar and they go back to struggling next season, I wouldn't want to be in those meetings if I were Chris Drury. <laughs> right, and he right. said, well, you know, we were decided to hang on to our assets and now we have too many defensemen and not enough forwards and Igor is back to being human again. Uh, what are we going to do now? And I, yeah, that's not a situation you want to be in. So, right. um, you think I'm, there's anybody, you think there's anybody out there that, that, I mean, I, you know, I guess it's kind of an impossible question to ask you, but do you think there's a possibility the Rangers swing something that nobody's thinking they're going to do? Like Drury's, you know, working on something that, uh, you know, it's just a wild one, like a real, like a huge swing that he takes at somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely those th- those things always come out after the fact. Even the the most chatty GMs, which Jury is not, he models yeah. himself after after Lou Lamorello. He doesn't like to reveal a whole lot. Um, but even the most chatty ones, the Jim Rutherfords of the world, like they're always working on stuff that they're not talking about. So, yeah. um, I'd be curious to see. You know, Tomas Thomas Hurdle's name has been thrown around. I just don't see how you give up. You're going to have to give up even more than you'd give up or maybe the equivalent you'd give up for, for JT Miller. And you don't have him signed. And you can't sign him because right. even even letting Ryan Strom go, they can't fit seven times eight or whatever Hurdle's going to be asking for, even eight and a half. Um, and that's your number two center. You can't, can't do that. So um, they could make that deal. And I guess it wouldn't be a total surprise since they've, they've been connected before, but. I don't see how, and I don't see how you make that sustainable going forward. So um, yep. beyond that, you know, would it uh, something out of left field if Patrick Kane went to the new mm. Chicago management Ooh, said, let's I've, do had it. A, I've had enough here. I want to go to New York. And I've always heard, you know, it was either Buffalo to go home or the Rangers. And he sure as hell isn't going to the Sabres right <laughs> yeah, now. Which so, one are you going to pick between those two? Yeah. So if he suddenly says, gives the, the Denny Lemieux speech uh, from Slapshot mm-hmm. and uh, he only wants to go to the Rangers, then the cost isn't going to be crazy. And maybe Chicago keeps half of that cap hit and suddenly it's affordable. And then you've got Patrick Kane as your top line right wing. Too bad to you, Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah, um, that's okay. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll do that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe that one would be the the most surprising and out of left field. Um, just of like names that you could, you could think of off the top of your head that would be willing to move, be moved. You know, I think a lot of fans would love to see Joe Pavelski. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like Dallas, Dallas is in full on. We got to make the playoffs. So they're blowing everybody out of here mode. So, yeah. Um, 
they're not giving up anybody. I don't think they're going to trade John Klingberg at this point because they got to make the playoffs. So, right. Um, you know, maybe Mark Scheifele would be a guy too that you'd say like, oh, okay, like he's, you know, that team is kind of floating around. Are they going to kind of do a mini blow up and, and, and start to retool a little bit? He's a guy that's got an affordable cap hit. He's been a star player for a long time. He's having kind of a lousy year. I don't know. Um, there's a few guys that you could kind of like when you scour cap friendly and say like, oh, that'd be interesting. But mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I think for now, you know, unless something comes in from out of left field, we're we're pretty we're pretty targeted on on who they're looking at. And uh, and yeah, it'd be great if there was something nobody knew about. Those are always fun. Uh, yeah, because you get to break something down that you haven't been breaking down for weeks and weeks. So. Right. So yeah, we'll see. You know, we've got like we said, we've got one more show before the deadline, and um, we'll see what's happened by the time we record next week. But uh, thanks, Chris, for your input and insight. Always welcome. No, thank you so much. It's uh, yeah, it's really it's an exciting time, and uh, looking forward to uh, next week. And thanks everybody for listening to the Garden Faithful. If you're enjoying the show so far, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a five-star rating and review. It really helps us grow the show. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Thanks again to Chris Flannery. I'm Arthur Staple. This is Garden Faithful. Catch you next week.